introduce to you Catherine Brown this morning. I've only just met her, but she's a gem. And um, what comes out of her mouth is gold, and it will be a blessing to you. Um, so why don't we, without further ado, just give her a really warm welcome as she comes on up. Thanks very much. It's always encouraging when you've had a, like five minute conversation with someone and they say you're a gem that's very nice you're a gem too thank you joe um it's great to be with you this morning i've just arrived at new day um i'm sorry for all of you who are camping in the rain i know that at new community church which is the church i'm a part of in a place called sidcup um we've had quite a few tents flood and there were loads of texts going around yesterday our church leader went out and had to buy three new tents for our youth um anyone else had to get a new tent anyone else change their tent no, just new community. Totally, yeah, disorganized and, yeah, didn't check that our tents have holes in them. There we go. Um, but a little bit about me. My name is Catherine, as Joe said, and like I said before, part of New Community Church. Um, and I became a Christian while I was at university. So I was 19. I'm from a totally atheist background. But when I was 19, I encountered God in a powerful way out of nowhere. I had a friend... Um, get diagnosed with a brain tumor and over the course of a month he declined in health really really rapidly and he died but Stefan was a Christian and before he died he was totally at peace totally at peace and that was the greatest witness to me because I was terrified of death and so I started to google Christianity I started to look into it I started to try and discover how is this guy at 23 in the face of death totally at peace? I want to have that because if I was him, I'd be terrified. I would be absolutely terrified. And as I started to look into Christianity, as I started to look into Jesus, I found it was true. And I was like, you know what? I just believe it. What do I do now? Don't really know any Christians. Don't know where to go with that. How do I become a Christian and do Christian life? And I went to drama school, so I was in a hip-hop class, which is um, ridiculous because you should never see me do hip-hop. Um, I was the worst in the class. That was the most embarrassing time of my life. Anyway, hip-hop, there we were. And one of the girls in my class who I'd never spoken to before, and if I'm honest, I didn't really like her, purely for the fact that we had the same name and she was really smiley and I was not very happy. And so I was like, oh, she's the happy Catherine. I'm the sad Catherine. She must be an idiot. And she comes bouncing up to me really awkwardly and goes this is so weird and you're gonna think I'm an absolute weirdo because I don't know whether you're a Christian or not but I'm a Christian and I was praying this morning and I was asking God who I should invite to church and your face popped into my mind would you want to come to church with me and I was like I I've like literally just thought like I believe in this stuff and now you're inviting me to church this is mental like God is definitely real I was like yeah I'll come to church with you and that was the first time she'd ever stepped out and invited someone to church and it was the first time and God honored her obedience in doing that and she then later years later on reflection was like it was weird in that moment when your face was just in my mind and I was so scared to step out and, and invite you but I'm so glad I did and I'm so glad she did because that was seven years ago and there we go still in church still love Jesus and it's changed my life forever so I'm actually going to hold this mic because um, I feel like I'm about to sing a solo which you know might happen who knows um, just give up on the leadership just start singing 
So we're going to be talking about leadership. And whether you are aware or not, leadership impacts every single part of your life. How your school or university is led, how your church is led, how our government is led, how everything in the world runs is because of leadership. And when we think about leadership, we often think about a role or a title or a position. And when someone is aspiring to be a leader, I don't know whether you're in the big top, Andrew uh, Wilson helpfully at the end just led a little bit about leadership and about what leadership is. But when people think about that and make responses of, I want to be a leader, often it's with a role or a position in mind. And there's nothing wrong with desiring a role or a position. We need good, godly leaders in every single sphere of society. We desperately need that in this world. But what happens if you feel called to leadership, you've come to a seminar entitled You Can Lead, and at the end of this seminar, you're like, yes, I can lead. I'm encouraged. I think I can do this. And then you step out of New Day and you're overlooked no one invites you to lead anything. You're not given responsibility over anything. And no one actually calls you a leader. That's a bit awkward, isn't it? Is this just an empty promise? Have you come to, I don't know, some used sales car person type thing where I'm just saying, yeah, you can lead. And then it won't actually happen. I mean, what a way to start a seminar on leadership. But I want to talk about leadership as a more holistic thing, as something that's so much bigger than a role or a title and so much bigger than just someone saying to you, right, you're in charge of this. And a little bit about my life. So about eight, nine months ago, I was working in ministry and I decided to leave my ministry role because of a theological difference. And this was a costly, costly decision I made the decision to step away from a role I loved, like really loved, from a year, my first year of being on the senior leadership team and having responsibility and a title. I was managing teams across the UK. I was traveling all over the place. And I felt like God was saying, you've got to leave. You, You have to let this go. And so I did. And it was the right thing to do, but it was extremely costly. And I found myself in a position where I was like, I don't have a title. I don't have responsibility. I don't have anyone asking me to sort of do anything. There's no expectations on me. Who am I? Is my identity in the role that I had? Or is my identity in Jesus? And sometimes we can get those two really confused. And we can find ourselves when we step into new seasons of our lives, either out of ministry, not working in that, or even when we leave school or when we leave university. And we're like, who am I if I'm not that? And throughout this time, I've thought a lot about Jesus as a carpenter. He was totally anonymous, totally hidden in those years, right? We don't get a book in the Bible where we see the behind the scenes, the director's cut of the teenage years to public ministry of the life of Jesus, do we? And I can't wait, actually, until we get to heaven and we're face to face with Jesus and we get to say, what were those years like? Like, I I cannot wait to hear what those hidden, secret, anonymous years were like. I can imagine 
They were full of time in the scripture, time with the Father in prayer, time eating with others, with community, lots of splinters, hard work, faithful, boring work. Jesus just being Jesus, just working and being faithful. And Jesus was totally God even in those years, even in the hidden years, the creator of all things, the one who holds all things together, not only humbled himself and came to earth as a baby, but he spent the majority of his life unknown, hidden, anonymous, in the secret place, not even recorded for us to read about. How amazing is that? For me, I'm like, surely Jesus could have started his ministry at 18. Like, he's legally an adult. Just let him go, God. Just, just give him free reign. Let Jesus go for it. You just lead from 18. Then he'd have like a good decade and a bit of leading. Could have had a huge impact. That would be great. Da, 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 da. But thankfully, God is not like me. God isn't in a hurry. He's not anxious. He's not like, right, we need to max out the most time. He's like, no, 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 no. This is what I need. And actually, I feel like the hidden, anonymous stuff that we don't even know about, the secret stuff, is the most important time and the most fundamental time for creating the foundations of everything that Jesus did. And we see throughout the scriptures, not just in Jesus's life, but in so many different leaders in the Bible, there are seasons of anonymity, of unseenness and how people choose to honor God in the secret place and the stuff that no one else sees but God is the thing that then is what catapults them into impactful leadership and honoring God. So this all comes down to self-leadership. What do you do in your lives now? What does it look like for you to lead yourselves? This is the most important leadership call that God has put in your life. I'm sure loads of you, if not all of you in this room, are incredibly gifted at many, many things. And you probably have people in your life that already look up to you and you're pastorally caring for and whatever. But outside of the people, outside of speaking or singing or whatever, leading small groups or youth groups, whatever it is that you do... The most important thing in your life is your relationship with God and how you lead yourself to follow Jesus. And nobody can do that for you. No talk in the big top, no seminar stream, no worship song. This is about you and Jesus. And it's for us to steward our time and how we sort of spend our times and our lives learning to follow Jesus and to be a student of him. So I'd like you to turn to the person next to you and I'd like you to just have a quick chat about have you given any thought at this point in your life to how you lead yourself? And if you have, what does that look like? What does sort of discipleship and self-leadership look like in your life? And if you've never thought about that, that's okay. Be honest about it. We're going to talk about it more. So just a quick chat, one minute. Have you thought about it? If yes, what does that look like? Fantastic. Bring those conversations to a close. Sorry if you didn't get to both chat. Fantastic. It's important for us to learn how to lead actually before we're recognized, before we're given a role or a title or a position. So many of the problems that we see in the world and even in the church where leaders fail and have moral failures and all of that and are totally, you know, 
um, fireballed out of ministry is because they're missing a self-leadership peace. They're not abiding with the Father. They're not spending time with him. So it's important for us as young people, including myself in that, um, to spend time with God and to get really serious about the unseen and secret parts of our lives. And as a child of God, you don't actually need a role or a position or to be in charge to be a leader. God has made you a leader. And actually, just time with him will change you in such a way that when you are in situations where people around you don't know Jesus or you're in situations like you're at work or whatever, you will just naturally lead because of the overflow of your character and that time with Jesus. You will have an influence on the culture around you and the people around you. Even if you don't see it, you will be having an influence if you're spending time with Jesus. So over the past few months, I've been working in a coffee shop, which in some ways I absolutely love because I love coffee. But in other ways, it's the most boring job in the world. Um, A lot of the time, I spend my days doing exactly the same thing every single day. Mopping floors, cleaning out the cake shelf, uh, refilling the fridge, cleaning the toilet, vacuuming, doing all of that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. We just do the same thing every single day. And it might just be my sin and my personality, but there's been such a temptation for me to cut corners and to do a bad job, basically. To be like, oh, no one's going to notice if I sort of just miss that corner or don't do that or if I just sort of wipe the cake shelf down like this. There's such a temptation to not do well when no one's looking. But the invitation to God in that place, even though it isn't what I feel like I'm called to, It is where God has me. So I am called there at the moment. And the calling from God on my life as a leader there is to honour him there, to honour him in everything that I do. It is very important that we honour God, even in the roles that don't seem attractive, even in the things that we don't feel like we're called to. No one really feels like um, no one really feels called to stacking chairs on a Sunday. But actually, part of our calling as leaders is to serve. And so it is going to be stacking chairs and doing the things that aren't sexy. In Luke 16, 10, it says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. (laughs) Can God trust you with what he's given you? The things that he's given you to steward, can he trust you? Are you trustworthy? Are you faithful in the quiet? With the bits of your job, the bits of your university, whatever, the bits of your schoolwork, whatever your life looks like, can God trust you to honour him even when it's hard and even when you think it's not going to make a difference at all and no one is going to notice, no one's watching? So... God's given you leadership responsibility over yourself, but then the other leadership responsibility that God has given you, and it's very clear in scripture for all of us, is that we are all called to tell people about Jesus. We read the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and it says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. It's 
probably one of my favourite bits of scripture. I love the Great Commission. And it is a call to adventure and leadership on all of our lives to go make disciples, go and share your faith wherever you are. You can influence society. You can influence your friendship groups. And through this, God is calling you to not be a thermometer, but be a thermostat in the world. Now, that might be a bit confusing, but all of us are very good at being thermometers. And sometimes it's helpful to be a thermometer. You can look around culture and go, that's what's going on. That is what is happening in culture. That is interesting. Very interesting what's happening in culture. Oh, my friendship group. They've got all these problems. It's just, it's really hard at the moment. This is a real issue. Yeah, that's my friendship group. Oh yeah, work. It's so boring. I just do this and this every single day. It's such a boring thing. A thermometer reads what's happening. It says, this is the temperature. This is what is going on. This is where we're at. We can all be very good at that. I can be very good at that. I can tell you when something's not interesting. I can tell you when something's wrong. I can tell you all the problems. But God has called you in the Great Commission to be a thermostat. To not purely say, this is what is going on. But to say, oh no, I'm going to whack the temperature up. I'm going to change what is going on here. I'm going to change culture and I'm going to change the people around me. So that, when you view yourself as a thermostat, changes everything. Because you walk into your friendship group and you don't just go, these are the problems. You read the temperature and go, yeah, we're not going to leave it like that. And you start praying for your friendship group and you start encouraging people and you stop gossiping and you start saying, actually, you know what? No one organizes anything. I'm going to be the one to do it. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to do it. You're leading. And then in your job, when you're like, oh, this is so repetitive and boring. Yeah. The thermostat goes, How can I make this not boring? Actually, Lord, why am I here? What do you have me to do? And the Holy Spirit goes, ask that person that question. And you ask the question, you start having a conversation about Jesus. You're like, this is not boring anymore. This is actually quite exciting. I love doing the bins. Let's just keep doing the bins forever. Let's chat about Jesus while we do it. And you walk into culture and you go, right, these are the issues. What does God have to say about this? And actually, how can I share my testimony in this? How can I be salt and light to a watching world? And it starts to get more interesting. So let's be thermostat people. So in my coffee shop, I'm like, yeah, I've got all these unseen tasks that God has asked me to do. It's all really boring. God, let me choose to believe that you have me here for kingdom impact. That actually, this is part of my calling. This isn't second best. This isn't like, oh, it's a bit awkward that I'm working in a coffee shop and I'm not doing like ministry stuff. No, this is ministry and this is important. And actually, Jesus has said, I am sending you there. So let me believe, Lord, that you have me there for a reason, for a purpose, that you have bought me with a price. You know me. And so you know where I'm meant to be. And where I'm meant to be right now is at Milk, a coffee shop on Station Road in Sidcup. And I will make flat whites to the glory of God. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's quite nice. Fantastic. Thank you. And so what does that look like in my life? Sometimes it's helpful to be practical. It's always a bit weird when you start talking about your own life and some of the things that you've done in the secret place. But here we are. Um, I've got the microphone, so I will tell you some of the things. So it has looked like prayer to start with. God has burdened my heart for the people that I work with. It's meant that when the rotor comes out, I look who I'm working with that day and I spend time praying for them. I pray for them to be saved. Just straight up, I'm like, Lord, just save them. Please save them. 
But then I also pray specifically about things that they've told me about their lives. And I pray, God, what do you want me to ask them today? What question is the most important thing? Help me to remember something they've told me that I need to ask them about or whatever, or just a random thing. And sometimes God's giving me questions like, what's your favorite movie? And then it's led to a really cool conversation. Other times I haven't felt like I have a specific thing, but it's just that step of just saying, I believe that actually I'm not just going to work to do boring mundane things. I'm going there more importantly to witness about Christ to these people. And God has just blessed me in so many ways with conversations about Jesus. I, when I first started working there, started like a tally about how many times I'd spoken about Jesus at work, which is like really fun and a slightly weird thing to do. My husband was like, why are you counting days? And then I had one day where I didn't talk about Jesus and I was so sad. And he's like, just the wrong perspective, Catherine. You've spoken about Jesus every other day. You've been working there for, at that time, a month. And this is your first day without speaking about Jesus. It's all good. God's got you. It's fine. I was like, oh yeah, that is true. But When you are obedient and when you are looking and desiring to be a thermostat in places, it's amazing what then God does in that space. And I've also had it with customers. So I had a customer come in called Jenna. We started chatting. She was telling me about her wedding. She said, oh, are you married? I was like, yeah, I did. I got married two years ago. We're chatting about our weddings. She had a humanist wedding. Um, She's married to a guy who used to be a Muslim. He's not a Muslim anymore. She wasn't raised with any faith. They decided to have a humanist wedding. I was tell- she said, what type of wedding was yours? I was like, it was a Christian wedding. I'm a Christian. This is what's going on in my life. My husband's a pastor. Blah, 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 blah. We're chatting, we're chatting. At the end of our conversation, she goes, we have so much in common. <laughs> we have so much in common. This is kind of weird, but do you want to be my friend? And I was like, yes, I will be your friend. You have asked the right person. <laughs> I will be very good at being your friend. And she was like, great, should we meet up? I was like, definitely. So we met up, went on a walk, had a long chat about worth and significance, where you put your value. She's just left her job in luxury property sales because she's like, money doesn't fulfill. Where do I find fulfillment? Where do I find meaning? I'm like, great, let's chat. Here we go. We're hanging out again next Wednesday. So I'm like, God, I would have never dreamt that I'd be meeting up with not one of my colleagues, but a customer who I had a like two minute chat with over the till as I'm making a latte for her with cinnamon on top. It's a weird thing. Some people want cinnamon on top of their lattes on Thursdays because there's this famous TikTok at the moment that says if you have cinnamon on your latte on Thursdays, you'll get rich. Which is a weird thing because she'd left her job about money. But anyway, we're, we're working, we're working. There we go. Everyone's spiritual, everyone's open. It's a weird thing that's happening in the world. It's great. But God has taken me on a wild adventure of learning how to be obedient to him. And it's not just those sharing faith moments. And that's the stuff that, you know, gets my heart going. And that's the stuff I love. But it's also the stuff that isn't so nice. So when something goes wrong, we've got a group chat, which is pretty active. Um, And it's pretty active with basically pictures of things saying, who did this? This is wrong. Don't do this again. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those group chats, but no one responds. It's like tumbleweed. It's like no one's going to own up to that. And I'm like, oh, no. One of the things about following Jesus is going to be publicly owning up to my mistakes and actually showing it's okay to be weak. I don't need to be perfect. I don't need to be impressive because Jesus is the only one who's really impressive and perfect and I'm not and I'm forgiven so I don't need to feel embarrassed. So when the picture of the knife that has been frozen in the freezer gets posted on the group chat and I'm like that was 100% me. 
I go, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. That is so dumb. That was me. I'm really sorry. Or when the overnight oats weren't prepped. Or um, two days ago, when the grinders weren't cleaned out properly. Hands up. Yeah, sorry, guys. It's me. And you know what? That's not done with the like. <laughs> Look how free and awesome I am. Honestly, prickly embarrassment. Like, heart. Like, oh, this is just horrible. Because it isn't received with the, oh, that's all good, Catherine. It's like, yeah, that was done. Don't do it again. And no one says anything else. And it's just like, a mm. but it builds trust with people. And it's a way of honoring God. So what about you in your workplace, at your university, at school or wherever you are? What does it look like to be salt and light, to be a thermostat in that place, to shift culture on its head? And what leadership responsibilities has God given you at the moment? It's probably not a role. It's probably not a title, but it's just something where you're like, "Mm, I think I could actually be a thermostat in that place. I think I could actually sort of shift culture and influence those people. Um, For me at the moment, it it is with my colleagues. Um, I'm actually finishing my job at the end of August, which is a weird, strange thing. But at the moment, until then, for this month, it is that is my sphere of influence and that is my place where I'm like, come on, Lord, make me a thermostat in that place. So I want you just to spend 30 seconds just by yourself thinking, right, Lord, and praying, God, where is that place? And then turn to the people around you and if you feel comfortable, just share. Yeah, I think it's this. It's just helpful just to speak those things out. So 30 seconds just in silence and then you can turn to the people next to you. Great. Okay, fantastic. Obviously, this, um, this seminar is titled You Can Lead. Um, and I just want to say that. You can lead. Actually, you are already leading. Whether you know it or not, whether you feel like you are or not, you are leading. You are leading yourselves. You're following Jesus. You're learning how to be more like him. And also, there is a call on your life to go and lead others to Jesus and those two things are your primary leadership callings you are called to follow Jesus to lead yourself to follow him and you are called to lead others to him to share your faith and whether you feel like you're good at doing that or not it's just true that is what you're doing and you're leading and I'd love if you went away from here with one thing, I would love that when you're in a time in your life where you feel overlooked, when you feel like people aren't seeing the things that you feel like God has given you and gifted you with, when you aren't given responsibility in the way that you have dreamed of or prayed for, I would love you in those moments to just think about Jesus as the carpenter the one with splinters in his hands, the one who was just faithful, who just showed up and just did his work and honoured the father in everything that he did was perfect and never sinned. And just remember that just like Jesus has had years of anonymity and not impressive job titles and things, we too might have those times in our lives and that's okay. And more than just okay, it's good. It's probably the best thing for us. It's very good for us to be humbled and to learn how to honor God in those secret places, places that people around you don't see, but God does see and he loves you there and delights in you there and still calls you a leader even there. So you can lead. Fantastic. But 
for some of us, there are specific leadership calls on our lives. There are marvellous things that God wants to do with your life. There are incredible adventures that God wants to take you on. Some of you here will plant churches. Others will start worship bands. Others will be online on social media and have some incredible TikTok where you're witnessing about Christ and incredible things happen and loads of people come to know Jesus. Some of you here will have specific things that actually this week, even at the end of this week, God wants to speak to you about and wants you to know about yourself. And there's times when actually we need times of prayer and prophetic ministry for God to call those things out of us, the things that are already true about us. And sometimes it's just being reminded of our identity in him that you are a son you're a daughter you're deeply loved but other times in prophetic ministry there's specific calls and God's like right this is what you're gonna do you need to move and join this church plant that's what you need to go and do Um, and so we thought with the team at New Day Next that it'd be great at the end of this leadership um, seminar to just leave a bit of room for the prophetic and for praying for each other is that okay for with everyone great um, so I'm going to get Joe back up and she's going to lead us into this time. Yeah, please, let's thank her. Thank you. Well, it's my great privilege to invite some of our friends from the pastoral support team um, to come bless us. I'm just going to kick us off. I'm not going to be long, Phil, promise. Um, Just with some verses from Jeremiah that I read yesterday morning, and just as um, Catherine's been speaking, just just were called back to my mind. And basically, the people of God are in exile, and um, this is what God says says, I have sent them into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then his instruction in that place of exile is to build houses and live in them, to plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. So just in the places, just that location thing, like God has got you where he wants you for purpose in this season. And you might feel like you're hidden and in exile and thinking, why on earth am I here? And God says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. So just an encouragement. Um, the verses in Jeremiah go on to say those really famous verses like, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So even in that place of thinking, this place feels like for my harm, actually it's for your good. 